Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Hey guys, um, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Exodus, and I'm so grateful that you would join us today as we gather around God's Word. To everyone, Happy Easter. What a joy to celebrate that Jesus Christ is alive. Now, I dare say that a couple of months ago, none of us thought that we were going to be uh, celebrating Easter in our living rooms looking at a screen. I mean, uh, I, I don't think any of us expected to take our Easter pictures in our PJs. And yet, regardless of our current situation, we have a compelling story to celebrate today, that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, took on flesh and dwelt among us, that he lived a perfect life of obedience all the way to a brutal death on a Roman cross, that he was dead, that he was buried, but he didn't stay in the grave. He was raised to new life so that everyone who places their faith and hope in him might be saved, our sins forgiven, our eternity secure, our present filled with hope because Jesus Christ is alive. And this is the greatest story of all time being proclaimed all over the world, just like it has been for almost 2,000 years, that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And in our passage today, we're going to see that this resurrection truth that Jesus is alive gives us two things. It gives us hope for eternity, and it gives us hope in our every day. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 8. I'll read, and then we'll pray and jump into God's Word. Paul writes, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come to you. We come to you on this day where we remember in a particular way the reality that Jesus Christ was raised from the grave. And Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we know that it's your desire. It's your desire to speak into every heart listening. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do so. We ask that you would capture, capture our attention, capture our affection. And Lord, we also ask that you would comfort us. That yes, you would give us hope for eternity but that you would also give us hope for our every day as we study your word. Would you you open our eyes to to see, open our ears to hear wonderful things from your word today? We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Now on this Easter Sunday, I want us to see that resurrection truth, 
leads to resurrection trust. Let's start with resurrection truth. Now, in verse 8, Paul is telling us that he is a prisoner because of the testimony of the Lord and the gospel that he is proclaiming. And then in verses 9 through 11, he's unpacking this gospel. He's unpacking this resurrection truth that has him currently in prison. And he says in verse 9, he starts with God's grace. He says that God saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So Paul wants us to understand this resurrection truth is rooted in God's grace, that God saved us and called us, not because of our works, not because we did something impressive, not because we checked the right boxes. We are saved by God's Grace, And he tells us it's a grace that he gave us before the ages began. So long before time was even a thing, Paul tells us that God gave us grace. So long before we could ever be impressive to him, God showed his love to us. Paul wants us to understand this resurrection truth is rooted in God's grace. Grace, but it's also revealed in God's Son. It says in verse 10, it says, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Paul wants us to understand that this grace that has been given is given only because of God's Son. There's a very popular Bible verse that many of us know, John 3 16, where God's Word says, For God so loved the world, God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The only reason we can receive God's grace is because God gave his son. And Paul tells us that not only did God's son appear, but he did something in verse 10. It says, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul wants us to understand that this grace was given because of God's son. And when God's son came, he beat death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It means that he displayed it, that he showed it in his life death, burial, and resurrection. He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And we understand all of this good news because that is what the gospel is. You see, the gospel is not good advice. It's not five ways to a better you. The gospel is an announcement of news. It's not advice about how we can save ourselves. It's an announcement of how God has saved us. It's not advice about how to impress God. It's the announcement that God doesn't need to be impressed. And Paul tells us this resurrection truth that God's grace is given because of the appearing of God's Son. And we know this through the gospel. And this gospel that has been proclaimed is available It's available to any one of us who will place all our hope in him, surrender all of our life to him. We can be saved. You can be saved today if you will simply place your faith and hope in Jesus. That's resurrection truth. 
And that resurrection truth leads to resurrection trust. And we see this in verse 12. It says, which is why I suffer as I do, Paul says. But he says, I'm not ashamed. Now, how could someone suffer wrongly? How could someone suffer wrongly and not be ashamed? He tells us. And it's because of resurrection trust. Now, notice first, Paul trusts a person. He says in verse 12, for I know whom I have believed. So Paul's saying, I've believed someone, that's Jesus, and I know him. Like I have a personal trust, a personal relationship in with Jesus. Paul says, I know whom. And then he says, I am convinced that. So not only does Paul know a person, Paul knows things about that person. Look at what he says in verse 12. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. That's resurrection trust. Paul says, I know Jesus. I know I can trust Jesus. That's what Paul's saying there. And then notice, not just who Paul trusts, but when he trusts him. In verse 12, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Now, that day is a specific day for Paul. When Paul says that day, he's thinking of a day that's coming very soon for Paul. Paul thinks he's at the end of his life. And Paul knows that when he reaches the end of his life, he's going to stand before Jesus. He's going to stand before the righteous judge. Paul knows this, and that's the that day that Paul is talking about. And Paul's not scared of that. Paul actually has confidence about that day. In chapter 4, verse 8, he writes this, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. You see, Paul had confidence to stand before God, not because of Paul, but because of God's grace. And so Paul trusts God with his eternity. He trusts him on that day, not because of Paul, but because of God's grace by which Paul has been saved. And I I wonder today, do you have that kind of confidence? Do you have that kind of confidence? Because that day is coming for every one of us. Every one of us will stand before God. Every one of us. And I wonder, do you have the kind of confidence that Paul has in this passage? Where he says, I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Do you Do you have that kind of confidence? Do you have the kind of confidence where you would say, I have loved his appearing and I'm gonna get a crown of righteousness, not because I've earned it, but because God has given it to us by his grace. Do you have that kind of confidence today? Paul Paul can trust Jesus on that day, but he trusts him for more than that. And that's wrapped up in that little word, until Paul says, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day. So Paul's saying, not saying, hey, I only trust him on that day. He's saying, I'm trusting him from this day until that day. So Paul doesn't just trust Jesus with his eternity. He trusts him with his every day. 
I wonder if you have the same kind of confidence. You see, for Paul, resurrection truth has led to resurrection trust. And Paul doesn't just trust Jesus with his eternity. Paul is trusting Jesus with his every day. Paul says, I know Jesus. I know I can trust Jesus, not just for my eternity, but for my every day. Now, that can be true for you today. That can be true for you. Resurrection truth can lead to resurrection trust for you if you'll simply trust Jesus. You see, really, resurrection truth is not really up for grabs. You see, the reality that Jesus Christ is alive is historic, documented fact. It's not myth. It's not story. It's not legend. It is fact. And so the question is not whether that's true. The question is whether you trust. And so there's two questions that we need to ask today. The first one is do you trust Jesus for your eternity? Now listen, we've lived in a world for a long time where we didn't have to think a lot about death on a regular basis. I mean, we've, we, we knew it was a re- reality, but now we're living in a time where we're very much aware of how fragile life is. And so we're tar- starting to ask questions about what happens after we die and what is beyond this life. And what I want you to know is that every one of us, every one of us will stand before God when we die. And every one of us is trusting in something for that moment. Now, maybe you're trusting in your good works. Maybe you're trusting that you did more good things that you remember than you did bad things that you remember. Or maybe maybe you're trusting that you're just a little bit better than everybody else. And so God's going to grade on a curve. So the problem is God doesn't grade on a curve. The problem is God demands perfect righteousness that only comes as a gift through Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter whether you're good or, or maybe you've done more good things than you've done bad. You've got to be perfect and that perfection only comes as a gift. But maybe you're not worried about some religious notion of good works. Maybe you're thinking that, no, there's nothing after we die. This is a material world. I'm a material being. There's no such thing as anything that's supernatural. I I just don't believe that's true. And here's what I would want to say to you. If that's your position, you need to understand you have no empirical data to support it. The position you're holding is a faith position. You're trusting that you're right and the Bible's wrong. Finally, maybe you're trusting that on that day when you stand before God, he'll look at you and he'll say, well, you were sincere. You, were, you sincerely believed whatever you believed. And what I want you to understand today is that when we stand before God, if we stand before him with our good works, if we stand before him with our uh, empirical doubt, if we stand before him with our sincerity, those things will be vain hopes for us. Those things will not see us into eternity. In fact, the Bible calls faith in those things vain and the deeds that come from those things sin. And the Bible tells us that sin against a holy God deserves eternity separated from him. But this God we've sinned against 
loved us so much that he sent his son, his one and only son, into the world to live a perfect life, to die a brutal death on a cross, to be buried and to be raised to new life so that if we will place our faith and hope in him, we could be saved so that we can stand before God on that day trusting Jesus for our eternity, not trusting ourselves, trusting Jesus for our eternity. And so if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, you can have confidence to stand before him on that day. If you will simply say to him, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know that I have no hope apart from you. So I'm placing all my hope in you. I'm surrendering all of my life to you. Jesus, save me. Save me. He will never answer no to that to that prayer. The Bible says, if anyone comes to me, I will in no way cast him out. Like if you, if you come to Jesus, placing your hope in him, surrendering your life to him, he will not push you away. And we can have confidence to stand before God on that day. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus for your eternity? Now, the second question is, do you trust Jesus for your every day? Now, there are times I wonder which one's harder. Is it harder to trust Jesus for our eternity or harder to trust Jesus for our every day? And maybe particularly in these days, you would say, well, if the days were easier, I could trust him more for my every day. But Paul's days weren't easy. Paul wrote this from a prison cell. He was lonely. He was dying. He was being persecuted. But because of resurrection truth, Paul could say, I know whom I've believed. I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what's been entrusted to me. Paul's saying, look, I, I can trust him for my eternity and I can trust him every day. Christian, do you trust Jesus with your every day? I mean, you've, you've trusted him for your eternity do you trust him for your everyday? Listen, I, I really, I don't know which one's harder, but I do know he's trustworthy for both. I don't know which one's harder, but I do know he's trustworthy for both. Now, there's an old hymn that I've been thinking a lot about over the last two months. It's, it's old. I found out this week it's only two years older than me. So it was written in 1970 by Bill and Gloria Gaither. The song is Because He Lives. And in an interview about the song, Gloria was talking about the process of writing the song. And she was talking about the kind of turmoil that was going on in the world in the, in the 70s, in 1970 in particular. And she was expecting her third child. She had, she had lost all desire to write songs. She just felt empty. And when her baby was born, she says she had this realization, and she said this in the interview. She said, I realize you don't get married, have children, and go on living because the world is stable. You do all that because Christ is real, and the resurrection is true. And from that, she wrote this song. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives.
And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Y'all, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And we can trust him with our eternity. And we can trust him with our every day. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're alive. Thank you that because you're alive, we can trust you with our lives and our eternal life. Thank you, God, that you love the world so much that you would send such a precious gift into the world to be hurt and hated and hung on a cross. Thank you, God, that you would love us so much that you would communicate this good news through the gospel and that you would work in our lives so that we would believe and trust you. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us so. And Lord, I pray for my friends who don't know you. I pray that they would trust you with their eternity. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who do know you. I pray that we would trust you with our every day. That because you live, we would face tomorrow with faith and courage. Lord, make it so. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.